It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Already to number 55 based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders. And of course, uh, this is a book available not just in hardcover and in paperback, but also an audio book if you want to listen to the dulcet tones of Steve's voice. You are the narrator on this, correct? I do the book in audible. And just in one take, right? Just straight through one I take. I did it with Kenny. You, but I'm I did saying, it with Kenny. But I'm saying you didn't Kenny need to start. Kenny was a, a mean director. You didn't need to start and stop. You didn't need to start and stop. You didn't mess it up. You just one take, right? Just one, like Sinatra, uh, one take? I don't know if it was one take. No. I mean, Kenny, Kenny. I like to think I inspired you. Yeah. You did inspire yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I have a newfound respect for people who do that. That, that, was narrate, that, read. that was a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> My advice would be to familiarize yourself with the material. Yeah. Uh, you wrote the book, I did, so you should be familiarized with the material. But you know what? Keeping the right pitch. You know, he was like, um, you know, got to do this, got to do that one again. And it was like, so he was dude, director. we've been here for five hours. Man. Right. Enough. Well. But it was good. The next book, you'll do better. We just uh, actually um, started working with a client who found us through the Audible, mm -hmm. you know, which was fantastic. Amazing. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations so once loved, again. He came to the, you know, when we were visiting, he showed us on his phone. Oh, I've been listening to you for a long listening time. Listening to the book. Like, he, really? he had no idea. It took five hours <laughs> for you to get through. Well, well it took 40 years to write. That well, I was going to say 27. <laughs> if you've got 27 rules and it only takes five hours, that's not so bad. No. To be honest. Not at all. You did pretty good for yourself. Uh, your guest today, you've known, I want to say, your whole life. It's a family affair. It's a family affair for Sly episode. Stone. So we can add another song. Yes. It's a, it's a family uh, affair. From episode 55, your junior say, uh, hey, buddy, episode. Uh, this is Mr. Andrew Green, who happens to be your father's cuz. sister's son. This is your cuz. What up, cuz? Welcome. 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 Thanks for having me here. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being with Visiting us. Visiting from, from New Jersey, yep. New York, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, dinner the other night, which... Shouldn't should sound pretty normal, but I guess in our family, right? <laughs> well, it was seven years since our previous dinner, right? So uh, it's really you know, seven years you've yeah, gone. Family since stuff gets weird right. and crazy. Well, all I know is, listen, I don't normally come in early, and let alone on a Friday in the middle of a busy week like this. But I was told, hey, we got a special podcast guest. So no pressure on you, Andrew. But if you're terrible, I'm telling you right now, I'm right. storming out of here, and I'm never doing one of these again. All right. I, uh, so I, there's no pressure, but we don't normally tape on Friday, let alone this early. Right. So this is so Steve had to have you. Had I appreciate you, it. Had to get you on the podcast. Good so to be here. You must you must have something fascinating to share with us. Well, it's it's our family history, <laughs> and so when. If and when we get together every seven years or so, we walk down. Can't memory you do it more lane. often? Have you been incarcerated? What's the deal? <laughs> Why seven? What's about seven years? I'm a Jersey guy. I've been working for a living. Yeah. So, uh, We're sales guys. Sales We're doing guys. The work. There's no sales time guys. off. But uh, I recently retired. So congratulations! I am now officially a, snow, a snowbird. What was your life's work? Was it sales? Uh, yes, I was a sales manager for a shoe manufacturer. But that, that seems like the family business, because well, Stan, the man Stan, your dad, right. your uncle, he, uh, he's a lifelong shoe guy. That's how I got into the business. I worked for his father. How about that? So we right. grew up in that same shoe business a uh -huh. hundred years ago, and at dinner we started BSing about you know how we learned things that people are not being taught today, and the conversation went crazy. 
We had a bunch of tequila. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was like, you know what? You would be a great podcast guest, number one. Yes. Number two is years and years ago when their daughter came to visit, uh, she went to Nova Southeastern, uh-huh. I introduced her to none other than Junior Seau, mm-hmm. and we were friends together. So there is There's some in- energy going on there in the universe a- that pulls it all together. That's incredible. But the point and the reason why I wanted to have him on is we were really talking about the sales pros of then, mm-hmm. and, and you can jump right in. Sure. So uh, after high school, I was going to uh, college at night, mm-hmm. and I got an offer from Steve's dad to come work in the store and learn the business, and sounded like a great so idea. you're working all day, and then you're going to school all night. Yes. So you were taking care of the now, but preparing and planning for the future. Well, it was a family business, and uh, you know that's what... We, we Brooklyn people did. You know, you <laughs> went into the family, the family gadget, business. Right? Which neighborhood? Are we talking about Flatbush? What are we talking about? This was Flatbush, yes. Is, is that a good call, my little psychic yeah. and that little weird You know that from me? You yeah. know my dad. No, my dad I didn't learn you, that. Man. No, I don't. I, no, is it really? I mean, I just got it a weird. Flatbush, yeah. Kenny knows the producer. Flatbush, of your, Canarsie, you know, that old. The, the producer of your podcast, Ken Levick, knows I have a little bit of a weird psychic thing. If people are thinking, I can then sometimes read it. Yeah, well, you're I, definitely I weird. There's no doubt. Yeah. No, the psychic thing. The psychic ability. psychic. It's a very real thing. Like, if I told you right now, think of a number between 1 and 10. Do you have one in mind? I do. Okay. If you took that number and you multiplied it times 9, do you have a number now what that is? Um, yes, I do. Okay. Now, add those two digits together. Just the two digits of that yes. right there, right there. Okay. If you subtracted, like, uh, 7 from that, right. th- now your sum should be, like, 2. Is it 2? Is it 2? It was. I it's was two. thinking 2. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's, I'm a what little, is little that, dude? What is that? I just force nice. you to think, and then if you visualize it, I got it. Anyway, it let's, get back, let's get back to shoes and school. this happens at every podcast. We go way off right, the rails. Right, right. That's what you're supposed Why to do. It keeps them listening. Exactly. They don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? Good sales guys can tell a story. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. You know. Anyway, tell us the story. So uh, I started working, and, and so initially, here comes the training. So for the first couple of months, I could only work the stock room. Mm-hmm. I couldn't talk to any customers, couldn't interact with anybody. I only worked the stock and the inventory, which is you, the way you learn. So I graduated, and what did I graduate to? I now became the guy, the only customers I could interact with were the people who were bringing refunds or exchanges into the store. Mm-hmm. I still couldn't approach anybody as a salesperson. <laughs> right. So I had to prove my worth that I could take somebody who was demanding their money back, right. <laughs> sit them down, mm-hmm. and turn them. Turn them. Turn them into a customer. Get them to so I had something to do else, spend more money. Yeah. Right? And, and he did, man. He was... <laughs> well, that's the next part of the training. So mm-hmm. um, after I, I nailed that, then I got promoted to what we call the catcher, mm-hmm. which my job was to stand at the front door. Don't let him leave. Don't let him leave the store. This? I mean, this was all real. Now you just can't leave. Because his, his grandfather, yeah. one of his tenants was that if they came in, they came in to buy. Right. There's no way they should be walking out of the store without, or use without the, a purchase. Or use the restroom, perhaps. <laughs> you know, I don't know what neighborhood we're talking about. Right. But, but so as a catcher, your job is to... Um, engage them before they're able to leave mm-hmm. so they can find something because they came in there for a reason. Right. And you're going to help them find that reason. I had to reset, reset them down and what did you come in looking for? Mm-hmm. And then convert that, what we call the float, somebody who's ready to walk out of the store mm-hmm. and convert that into a sale. It's very Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Well, well, you know what's interesting? I'm loving this little The love. language, he and I picked the language up right away. We were like, mm-hmm. float it, turn it. 
Um, like for me, the numbers 34, last. 34, <laughs> like I said, 34, if somebody was a 34 last, I ran, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm going out <laughs> because it's a tough, uh, well, it's, it's, uh, it's a uh, habitual shopper, not a buyer. Right. Someone, right. Right. So you recognize them. They got free time. They, right. they just the don't door. spend money. And right. all the, the pros would go, Hey, that's a 34. I'm a 34 that's last. 34. I'm getting out of now, here. Now, where does the code 34 come from? That's, does anyone know the origin of that? Know. I don't know. I know that the, know. the other side of that was. When I had a live customer, I'd walk in the back and go eighty-eight. Boom! Mm-hmm. You know this one. Eighty-eight means up. We're, we're, we're selling today. Like I, I'm on we're in it, play. and here we go. You know, and but, there was in those days you didn't sell one pair of shoes. I wonder where thirty-four comes from. In the it, it can't just be shoes. It got to be a sales term to this day. Like you know, in the kitchen when they say something's eighty-six, right? It's right, off the right, right, same kind of right, story so, yeah. behind. But that. to this day, yeah, if like a, a check ends in thirty-four or like the number thirty-four, I stay. Really? Very clear. Walter Payton. <laughs> Come on. I don't do 34. I even said when we did show 34. It's kind of funky to me, man. It was strange. Like, it was, that is very but, strange. But we grew up like there was very deep bodied. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 40, uh, 50, 60 years ago. Jesus. 50 years ago. So really, people, I think the, the immediate takeaway from this right now is for those that are in sales, if your phone is ringing, if they're calling you, if they're walking into your store, it's because they're wanting to buy. Now, it is your chance to allow them to complete that transaction, or you can lose them. Mm-hmm. But you're at the door because you're the catcher, and right. you're not letting them go. Right, right. So everyone exactly. listening to the podcast should think of themselves, and whatever it is that you do is your own personal catcher. Keep them in the game. Keep them in the building. One of the reasons why I love working with you is the way you kind of you know create these visualizations. Um, the uh, LinkedIn and all the social media stuff, I try and refer that to people as their online store. So when people visit your profile, Mm -hmm. they've come into your store. That's a trigger to go back to them and say, hey, I saw you stop by. I mean, anybody that walked into our store, you greeted, you know, can I get you coffee? You know, it's like somebody comes to your house, you welcome them in. LinkedIn and social media is that same thing. And that behavior People just don't get. They're like, uh, you know, what, what? What do I do with somebody who viewed my profile? Right. They came to your online store, so that was what was so much fun for me because I grew up and forty plus years, fifty years later, mm-hmm. I have that so deep in my in my mind. It's ingrained. It's so Period. ingrained, and yet people today do not have anywhere near that training. It's not available. It's Nobody not available. knows about it. Nobody knows about Why it. Why is that? Why, how does that That's get your, lost? Your next book, by the right. way. Nobody. <laughs> how, it's, you're right. How does it get lost along the way? Well, a lot of those people, unfortunately, are no longer alive. But why wasn't it passed down like the fables of Aesop? I think in retail, especially, there's just too much retail uh, yeah. to go through that kind of training process with people. It's really mm-hmm. a hard investment uh, at the retail level. When I became a, a national sales manager, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first conversations I had with my salespeople were that there's no such thing as a bad objection. When somebody's standing in front of you and, and throwing back objections, mm-hmm. they're still interested. Good. They're looking to be convinced to right. buy something. <laughs> right. When they turn around and say, I'm out of here. That's bad. That's on you. That's, you know. Yeah. But, but if somebody stands in front of you and is objecting, they're looking to be convinced to buy something. Listen, I, I was thinking about this earlier today. You know, men and women are created equal. That's not true. That's not true. Men and women are very, very, very different. Physically, Mentally, emotionally, men and women are very, very different. We see three times more instances of torn knee, patellas, ACLs, MCLs in women's basketball than men's basketball. Same game, same court, same floor. Physically, 
There's a structural difference. Men and women do not have the same enzymes that will break down and digest alcohol, which is why I don't care how big of a drinker he or she may be. The fact of the matter is genetically, biologically, (laughs) this is the reality of it all. Selling to men and selling to women, um, you don't make broad generalizations, of course, but those are very different things, are they not? And selling... Particularly something that wow. is. Am, am, wow. am I right? Yeah. Selling them what people you have to view. You have to. View. I would have an answer to it. I, what, what do you think? I when I sell to women, it's always a more flirtatious right. encounter. It's that's exactly all it is. right. That's right. exactly right. 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 And that takes a lot for your partner to understand that mm-hmm. that's part of the theater right. of what we did. And the guys that worked with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was you know ten years your senior, nine years your junior, rather. You know, and I was really watching and learning. But these guys were dressed to the nines, shiny shoes, great sure. cufflinks. I mean, everybody, it was theater. You showed up, and it was go time. That's what it was then. It was a theater, man, and people came in to be entertained. And so you and know, it's an experience. It was a, you know, the, the stores were parlors. I mean, they were big, you know, beautiful places. But, mm-hmm. you know, even as retail started to change, it still was that somewhat flirtatious thing. And I think that still exists today. It has The to. environment has changed. But, you know... I've always said that, you know, people don't buy from people they don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, that you know, I, I ask people, you know, when was the last time you bought something from someone you don't like? Well, if you're in a big, you know, if you're in a big Walmart, if you're in a super Walmart Target, those folks oftentimes they could not possibly care less. Well, so they're, they're just you, like, there's the item you're going for. But, go but get you find you tend to search out people that are much more engaged and whatever. But we're buying really, shoes and clothes and no things that what should the be experienced. Yeah. You're buying that person and that trust. And so it was fun. I mean, I had a, such a blast being in the shoe business because it was fashion. It was fun. Right. It was, you know, fast moving. But Andrew, I mean, you know, listen, women today, um, I see $5,000 handbags every day. Mm-hmm. I see three, five, seven thousand dollar handbags every day. And I have to remind the fellas, listen, she's not carrying that to impress you. She's doing that to let the other women know that I'm on another level than you. Absolutely. And, and it's the, the same sh- thing with game, where guys wear their watches. They wear it on your watch. What watches? Jay Fetter was in here. Uh, Mark Fetter of Jay Fetter Jewelers was in here the other day on the radio show that we do for ESPN Radio. Um, when I'm not doing this fine podcast. And he said, listen, you know, you can't wear your car. You can't wear your house inside a party. <laughs> That's what, you know, the jewelry you can, the watch you can. Exactly. But there's, you have to understand the psychology of whom it is you're selling to. And everybody's different. Well, well, so it's interesting you go there, and I didn't think we'd go there today, but part of a personal brand for a guy today is his clothing, mm-hmm. is his shoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michelle brought me to the place where, and even though I grew up in the shoe business, right. I didn't grow up in the men's shoe business, right. she pushed me to a place so, where no, no, my no. shoes were. She stepped your game up. Yeah, right. I mean, I like, I was like, I would never spend that for those shoes, whatever. And then I did. Mm-hmm. And everybody says, oh, my God, I love your shoes. Right. You know, so, you know, when you look at where we are today in the sales game, mm-hmm. it is a personal branding exercise. So my blazers, my your T-shirts want, and blazers in a pocket. Right, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to Denver to work with my client in De- in December. They meet me at the airport and bring me socks. Right. Because they know I don't wear Cause socks. Because they know you're not wearing them. It's cold. Day. And I said, I, I don't own socks. Yeah. And it's OK. I'll, I'll be cold. But, you know. Andrew, people, um, listen, people listen to this podcast because they want to sell better. They want to lead better. They want to learn. Um, you're on the floor. You've been in every, this was your life's work. You just recently retired. Some things change, you know, the process, but a lot of things stay the same. At the end of the day, if they walked in the store, I think you nailed it. They came in there to buy. Yes. And, and you, you have to look at 
the handbag they're carrying and mm-hmm. the shoes that they're wearing and the watches that they're wearing. And you have to size up who your customer is. And, and, uh, and that's part of the art of selling. And, you know, you talk, we talk, you and I constantly about now you've got social media. I can look on someone's Facebook page, Instagram page, see what they drive, who they root for, what they wear, what's important to them. Some folks are rocking camo on the weekend. They're out going fishing. Some folks run million-dollar Bahama Center consoles doing that kind of vision. So you have to understand what it is that, uh, you know, makes them tick. You know, what was fascinating is the conversation went from all of the old-school trainings and things that we did into my new environment and his most recent environment before he uh, retired, which was running a national sales organization. Mm -hmm. You know, and guys are out on the road, and so it's not in a confined space anymore much easier to manage you know productivity when it's right in front of you mm. you know part of the game changer is okay guys are out working right. out of their homes working out of their cars working schlepping bags and you know doing stuff like that becomes much more difficult but you know leading those people you still have to have the basic process which is what we talk about you know most salespeople really yearn for is a process. What am I doing? When am I doing it? How often am I doing it? And you find, you know, interestingly enough, we talk, you know, today is about Junior Seau. You know, when Junior stopped playing football, his process got taken away from him. Of course it did. It led to his demise. I mean, we were friends. What's his purpose? And I watched him. He was like, mm-hmm. you know, listen, he could party with the best of them, but oh, yeah. 7 o'clock in the morning, he knew he was back in the facility. He was in esteem, in the world. Structure. Pool. Right, he had structure. You remember, so. I mean, you remember the movie, uh, you know, Shawshank Redemption. Love it. And that yeah. man Brooks had spent his entire life incarcerated. There you go. And then on the outside, he's bagging groceries and he didn't belong, didn't, couldn't re, uh, acclimate, re-socialize, and he hung himself. Didn't have a pre- Junior Seau, unfortunately, because of the CTE, the chronic, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, um, uh, changing his behavior, causing those thoughts. Here's someone that walked into a room that you knew, and he was everyone's buddy, and he called uh, everyone buddy. buddy, and he made the energy cha- change the energy of the room instantly. Positive vibes and flow. So was he selling? Yes, you know, certainly he was selling himself, mm-hmm. selling. Um, so one of, one of the questions I want to ask you is. You know, you've been a career sales guy, sales management. What, what are the keys that you see? What are the top three keys to success that you would share with the audience that, you know, you see over and over when you hired or worked with great salespeople? What, what are those things? three keys, according to Andrew, of success? That's what it says. We're right hold you to it. Three keys. <laughs> Number one. Well, uh, every salesperson I ever interviewed, and when I've been in a room full of salespeople, I always ask, who's the best salesperson in the room? Mm-hmm. And the person who didn't hold up their hand is usually was right. a loser. <laughs> You're out of here. Oh. Because you, you, you have to believe That's that awesome. you are the best salesperson always, no matter what you're selling. And that's... that's primary to success that's a really key takeaway i mean that's what if a, they're being humble one. what if they're being humble no, what if they're no there's no humility no in humility sales. <laughs> no no because there has to be a balance between rejection and being a good uh thinking you're the best salesperson huh i mean we've done this is show 55 we've not had anybody bring that up and say you know what here's a basic question who's the best guy in the room and i believe that if you don't believe that you're the best guy you should get out of the way I mean, for me, everywhere I've ever worked, I always look at where the bar is mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to shatter that. That's, that's yeah. where I got to get. So when you started somewhere, you said, all right, who's the top dog here? Who's and the best I, salesperson I, in the room? How do I beat him? Mm-hmm. You know? And if and you're as, not thinking that way, that's awesome. And as a sales manager, it was my goal to do what you're doing, is coach people to, be, to get them to think 
in that way that they are the best salesperson on the sales force. We talked about that in Podcast 54 when Ali said, I am the greatest. He said, I didn't believe it, but I knew one day I would. So I kept telling myself that I'm the greatest. We're playing along that same theme right here. You know what? And that's a, a, a powerful theme in sales because it's all mind related. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for me, I always thought I was the best, mm-hmm. whether I was or, or wasn't. And I, and I just recently brought this up in another conversation that it was about, you know, fake it till you make it was like the, the mm. real cool line. Yeah. And that doesn't play now because no. it's so disingenuous. It is. It's really bullshit. It's really more act as if. And that's exactly Act what. Act as if you've been there. That's exactly what, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali did. That's what great mm-hmm. people do. What does it feel like to be the champion? Oh, uh, it was Charlie uh, who said it in, mm-hmm. in 54. Right. You know, he said, uh, Charlie Toronto, one of our guests, said when he first started working with Jerry Jones when he bought the Cowboys. Act like a champion. He Think said, like a champion. He walked into the sales team and he goes, Hey, listen, forget about the fact that we're one in 15. Start acting like uh, right. you're selling a championship team. And, and you know, so right. I mean, that, that totally works. Uh, not believing in yourself and, and downplaying yourself is, is every bit as damaging as now in a world of inauthenticity and Instagram oh, of pretending you're something you're not. You know, I have friends who are young and they're in uh, retail and, and they have legitimate skills and craft and trade. And I say, you don't tell people that you work at Tory Birch. You're currently working with. It's a partnership. Your brand and theirs. Words matter. Words Packaging matter. matters. And you're not BSing anyone. Just how you speak of yourself is how truly others will perhaps view you. You know, it's not what I work at. I it's agree. I'm currently uh, partnered with. Those mm-hmm. things matter. Don't so you they, said Eddie? one was on target. You have another one? Number two? Sure. Uh, I always. I hope you do because it says on the sheet here three. <laughs> Steve promised you had three. So uh, managing a national sales team and everybody has their territory, I always emphasize that in order for them to be successful within that territory, Mm -hmm. they had to think of that territory as their business. They owned that business. They didn't work for a company. You run this business, your territory, as if you owned it. Like a drug lord. This is my area. Get out of here. This is my corner. It worked for El Chapo. (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly right you own it you know and that's that's that mentality i talked to about franchisees i go just because mcdonald's is this big your mcdonald's is your business mm-hmm. that's yours to run and that tends to be the difference between success and failure is the person and you and you should have a healthy competitive i mean if you're not a competitor if you're not there to make the others look bad and to blow them out of the water probably the sales game ain't for you so he's you're two for two all right Hopefully there's a number three in here. Oh, God. <laughs> now the pressure's on. How about, how about <laughs> three keys? Looking good. <laughs> it's, you know, it helps when you're somewhat handsome. In this well, way. the other part is just, you know, being prepared every day. Be being prepared, prepared every day. You know, know, know who you're calling on. Know who your meetings are with. Do your homework. Absolutely do your homework. And uh, always have a smile on your face. I know you, that's in your book. Yep. It's very true. Uh, always try to be chipper and, and uh, uplifting. And you just bring people along with you when you when you interact with them in that manner. So, so I'm, I don't think I asked you this the other night. How much have you changed? And obviously you're retired now, but how much did you change from the old school days that we were trained? Because we were trained the same exact way. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, my grandfather broke my balls like nobody else. I wanted to knock him out a couple of times. <laughs> but he always said, if uh, every time I knock you down, I'll, I'll build you stronger. Mm-hmm. What? You know, what changed for you in the other environment when you got away? Well, once I became a sales manager, my philosophy was to uh, lead by serving. 
serving the people. Lead by serving. Right. Elaborate. So uh, I train my salespeople, and we go out in the field together, and we close a great sale. Mm -hmm. They always got credit for that sale. I never went back to the ownership and said, I made that deal. Good for you. And this guy came along with me. It was always about pushing them, making them feel good about themselves and being the best salesperson they could be. I never took credit for any of that. Teamwork makes the dream work. People hate uh, getting the blame, but more so they love getting some of the credit. Yeah, I they mean, that's, just feel it does. They just feel good. Well, that's people how you want to be recognized. People. That's how you build people. Right. You know, you make your people feel good. That's you know does not happen yep. in a lot of environments. And what one of the biggest voids is forget about sales training, sales management training. You know, most companies take a guy who's the top salesperson and say, "Hey, you're the best we got. We're going to make you the manager," and then totally cripple right. the top guy. I mean, it's mm. you know they call it the Peter Principle or right, right. But whatever, but that happens often because sales management is really, really hard for guys who are competitive like us to actually help somebody get better than you. Is really difficult to do. You know, my success now is my. The people I coach mm-hmm. being incredibly good and reaching places I didn't get to, you got to be okay with that. You, you know, know, that's I, I think that is one of the biggest challenges I had to overcome. It, you know, in crossing the bridge from being the top sales guy to being the top sales manager, not only allow them to be better than help you, them. but encourage them and, and help do them. It. It's you know, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. He says, "I'm not helping this kid take right. my job." Right, which is. I think people can relate to that mindset because it's really hard to turn that off. Like, Mm. get out of my way. I'm the best to, you know what? I'm the best because I can pass this information down and that person might have better skills. And that's your legacy. And that's your legacy. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's really hard to do. I mean, that is a great point because it's really hard. That's a great point. Plus, you're establishing a relationship with these people, which makes you lifelong friends, which... Yeah, you know, I, I did it in, you know, my phone business. Some of the people that have been on here, they thank me for what I did because they say they couldn't get there without me. Mm. That's the job of a, of a coach or mm. a manager is to get their people Get you better. places that you maybe even weren't able to achieve yourself. Totally. Yep. And then the, the, the side card of that is that you get the recognition at the end. Right. You know, it's not the same buzz as when you go out and crush a sale mm-hmm. and, you know, you're the top, you know, I always wanted to be the top guy. I won every award I did, you know, you know, for me, like one winning an NEC TV at one point was like the, the greatest thrill because that was the newest TV, whatever. When you transcend to this place and really, and you hit it, servant leadership is serving other people to get better. Uh, that was probably the biggest and most challenging thing for me. And we don't really talk about that in the 55 shows. Listen, I quote it all the time. Tim McGraw, big hit song, summer 2017, right? Humble and kind. The last verse says, don't take for granted the love this life gives you. When you get where you're going, stop, turn back around. Wow. Help the next one in line. Wow. Always stay humble and kind. I think once you get where you're going, we have an obligation to stop, turn back around and say, hey, you, let me help you get on this ship. You got one foot, you're about to fall in the water. You got one foot on the boat. Let's pull you on this ship. Let's help you get to where you're going. And then you know what? They'll do it in return to whoever's next in line behind them. And then the universe rewards us all. Which is what he's going to do now. He's going to start coaching and start coaching sharing others. his knowledge because he's got great knowledge. And when you have that, 
great, you know, it's uh, what did uh, the, they say in the Spider-Man movie with great, with great p- power comes great responsibility. Great responsibility. There you go. To whom much is given, much is expected. <laughs> right? That's We've a, just determined that he's no longer retired. You're back in the game. Congratulations, Andrew Green. You're back in the game. Great. Well, I'm glad we got three keys. Uh, we, we got, got all three. We, we got, got all three covered. That's the important thing. Uh, enjoy your retirement, which lasted until now, apparently. Because yes. <laughs> now you're back at work. Steve just put you back at work as a coach. Oh, I'm working. And there no, it is. No uh, Andrew Green, uh, congratulations on your retirement. Thank Best you. of luck in this new chapter that you didn't know was happening until Steve just wrote it for you right here. Life is weird. Sometimes it works <laughs> that way. Never know. We, we don't uh, tell people, uh, we don't ask people in small talk, like, how you doing? Steve, you have a tradition, and we know we wrap up every single podcast the same way by asking folks to tell us something good. So since you got family here, ah. I'm going to ask Andrew first. Oh, wow. Why don't you tell us Look something good? Something today in your life that you go, you know what? This is what I want to recognize as, man, this is just living good. This is living tell life. This something is good. good. The only good thing I can tell you about... Getting older yep. and retiring. Mm-hmm. And just being old, the only good thing is having grandchildren. <laughs> That's wow. the only good thing? Yep. It's the best thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, the best thing, maybe. Okay. All right. I was going to say, like, the only thing worse than getting older is not getting older. You know what I'm saying? That alternative is I not know, good. I, yeah, I know, I know a lot of folks that don't have uh, they don't celebrate birthdays no more. So. I don't worry about that. Uh, nor should you. Uh, Stevie, your turn, brother. Tell us something good. So every week we do it, and uh, this week I'm going to go hashtag F-O-E. F-O-E. Family that, over everything. Because that's all that matters. Because that's misleading, because F-O-E would be foe your enemy, <laughs> but it turns out it's not your enemy. It's, it's just the opposite oh, wow. thereof. <laughs> F-O-E. It's all good. Man. All right. Listen, Andrew Green, thank you once Fun's again. Up. Good luck to you. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. Enjoy your time. Steve, you want to go for 5-6? Lawrence Taylor? Lawrence Taylor. We have great guests for March. Unbelievable Can't lineup. Wait. Can't wait. Really good stuff. But I will see you. Oh, I'll probably I'll see you Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then Friday is Honda Day. Well, Honda Classic. We are, this episode, we are taping one week prior to the second round of play at Honda Classic. That's correct. And, and Tiger called me last night and said I can't make it. Bro. Yeah, which is good because then it's uh, we don't have to worry about that. It's not going to win anyway. <laughs> it won't be crowded. I'd rather fo- <laughs> No, it'll be crowded. Believe me when I tell you, we'll have over 200,000 well, people Well, 17 will be nuts. Man. Oh, it'll, the whole we thing will nuts. be. That hole is just a... Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, one-third of the top 30 players in the world all playing the Honda no Classic. Kidding. That's, why, that's and probably all, why he's not playing. And all hospitality got expanded. Everything's bigger. Everything's bigger this year. Well, I'm there all day Friday. So well, I'm there all Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Well, and Pray you do the me. live stuff, correct? I'm doing television for two days. I'm doing radio for three days. I'm so doing do I get on TV? For three can days. I get on TV, please? We can go, I put you on last year. I know. Don't you remember? I want to go on. I'll put you on again this year. Don't worry. Stephen Littleberg, Josh Cohen saying thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.